Our scripture this morning is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. Afterwards, listed in your bulletin, there's a response since we already sang it, and we did a great job. I think it was appropriate to have it there. We're going to go ahead and skip that after the the scripture reading. No? Okay, we'll go ahead and sing it again. (laughs) Hear these words from Matthew chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Would you pray with me? God, we are thankful for this reminder that we are salt and we are light. Uh, You have called us to be those things in this world. God, I pray that you will open your word to us this morning as we reflect on what that means, uh, what it meant, and what it means now in the 21st century. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Has anybody ever wondered what their purpose in life is? Have you ever had that thought? We have a few, some, some murmuring behind me, some out there. Yes, you've had that thought. What, what's my purpose? Some of us thought that a long time ago. Some of us thought it this morning when we got out of bed. What is the purpose? Who am I supposed to be and why? Uh, bold claim, I think this scripture tells us just flat out what our purpose in life is. That's bold, isn't it? I think it's there. And I'm excited to, to share with, the, with you in this word this morning. Uh, imagine that you are a new disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. This new exciting rabbi that's traveling around and crowds are starting to gather uh, to him to hear what he has to say. And he chose you. Not just to listen to him, but to come follow him. To be a part of his inner circle. And you left everything to go do that. Maybe you weren't a fisherman. (laughs) 
But whatever it is you've left behind, you're no longer that because now you are all in. Now you are a full-time disciple of Jesus Christ, following him around, listening to what he teaches, and doing what he says. This is the picture that's painted in Matthew chapter 5. The newly gathered disciples are beginning to follow Jesus, and crowds are gathering, and we're told at the very beginning of this sermon, known as the Sermon on the Mount, we're told that Jesus travels up a mountain and sits down and begins begins to teach. And it says his disciples are gathered around him. So if you're still imagining this scene, you've just climbed a mountain. So you're probably a little out of breath. You're probably excited to sit down or stand around Jesus and listen to what he says. He starts off with the, the Beatitudes that we talked about last week. The blessed are the blank, fill in the blank, and there's several lists there, a list of several things there. And then right after that, Jesus begins to answer this question for you about what your purpose is. Now remember, these are people who have given up who they were to follow him. So if you're like me, I imagine that they would be asking that question. Who am I now? What, what, what am I going to be? I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but what purpose do I serve if I'm no longer a fisherman <laughs> or whatever it is that you have left behind? And Jesus uses these, these two metaphors to tell the disciples who they are. One interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount is that it begins by saying he's teaching his disciples. It mentions that crowds had been gathering, but at the end it says that the crowds were amazed by what, what he was teaching and the authority that he taught with. So it's clear that the crowds are also listening to the teaching. And so Jesus turns to these two metaphors to tell his followers who they are. He says, you are salt. And then he says, you are light. Now, an interesting thing here, uh, for those of you who like languages, the Bible was not written in English, and sometimes things get lost in translation. Okay, I had a seminary professor who also happened to be my dad, who used to say all the time in class this phrase, which I didn't fully understand, and most of the class, I think we were all just confused when he said it. He would always say, preaching is in the syntax. And this was like a deep dive into the Hebrew of Genesis, this class was. And, but he wanted us to see that studying the, the syntax or, or the grammar of sentence structures actually helps in preparing sermons. I haven't found it to be as true as he said, but sometimes... There's something in the grammar that's obvious in Greek and just doesn't get, get translated. And that's the case here. This statement, you are salt, and the same statement a few sentences later, you are light, uh, has an emphasis in Greek it doesn't have in English. And that's because the word for are, the verb, to be, also has the pronoun implied, you. So, in one word, it could say, you are. And that's the form that this word is in the Greek. There's a word that just is translated, you are, both in English. Yet the author, and the author quoting Jesus here, includes a, another separate pronoun of you. 
And so the effect in Greek, if it was translated literally, would sound more like this. You, you are salt. There's this emphasis on the you because it's repeated in the Greek, and it's just not in English. And so what effect that really has is what it would sound like is Jesus saying, you, you are salt, instead of whoever else you were thinking it might be. You, you are salt. And he's saying this to his disciples. You are salt. Not not the Pharisees, not the religious leaders of the day, not the powerful, not the rich. It's you. You're the salt of the earth. So if you're still imagining that he's speaking to you, so far you've been called to be his disciple, which is an incredible honor. In this day, most uh, people who followed rabbis had to go like petition the rabbi and beg to be their disciple. Yet Jesus came and chose you. Out of all the people he could have asked, he chose you. And now you're following him, and he says, you, not anybody else, you are the salt of the earth. But there's no, there's no pause there. That's not the end of what Jesus says. And I imagine Jesus didn't leave a lot of room, because that would have uh, brought on a lot of pride for me. I'm thinking, wow, Jesus chose me, and now he's telling me I'm the salt of the earth? But listen to what he says right after he says, you are the salt of the earth. He says, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. This isn't a, you're salt of the earth, pat on the back. This is your salt of the earth, and you better act like it. You are salt of the earth, and if you cease being, then you will not be serving your purpose. This is what Jesus is saying to his followers. It's, it's not a pat on the back, it's a caution. So I imagine the disciples sitting up and saying, I, I better pay attention to this. If I'm salt, I don't want to lose my saltiness. Otherwise, I'm going to be just discarded as useless. So I imagine them saying, I, I, better, I better pay attention. And for those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus in the 21st century, likewise ought to sit up and think, this is something I need to listen to. Let's reflect for a moment on what it means to be salt. What does Jesus mean when he calls his disciples salt? What purpose does salt serve? It actually serves several purposes, but Jesus clues them in on what purpose he has in mind when he talks about salt losing its taste. So he's not talking about preserving things. He's not talking about other uses of salt. He's talking about its function in taste. We have any like cooks in the room? Anybody like to cook a lot? There's Bob back there. We got some other hands raising. Anybody a really good cook? Anybody want to invite me over for lunch? No? Okay. <laughs> Those who study cooking will say that, that salt has an important function. 
and that it can bring out the tastes of the other ingredients in a recipe. And actually, if what you are tasting the most is salt, then you've put in too much salt. Salt exists to draw out, to enhance the tastes that already exist and to make them better. But salt does not exist for itself. Salt does not exist for itself. It exists to enhance the taste that's already there. And Jesus calls the disciples the salt of the earth. He tells them that, that their role now is not to be for themselves. It's to be thinking of others ahead of themselves. This message lines up with the message throughout the New Testament in the letters of Paul and elsewhere that Christians are to put the interests of others above their own. That they are to serve one another, to love one another, even when it is not earned. To be salt. Notice that Jesus doesn't say be like salt or to, uh, to, to become like salt. He says you are. He declares the disciples' identity for them. And Jesus does this for me and he does it for you. Jesus looks at you when you give him your life and he tells you who you are. Because it's based on His righteousness, righteousness, not our own. He looks at him and says, you are salt. Now let's turn to the second metaphor for a moment. Jesus says, you are light. This is like a, a, a parallel phrase. It's the exact same in Greek. So the same thing applies to that word you. He's saying, you, you, you are light. And then we get a little secondary metaphor along with this one about light, saying a city on a hill can't be hid. Essentially, if a city is up on a hill because of the light in the city, the city will be seen from far away. And then I think Jesus tells a joke. <laughs> kind, of, kind of sarcastic joke. He says, no one would light a lamp and then put a, a bushel basket on top of it. Um, and to us, we think, well, of course not. But like, to them, I imagine that this was like laugh-out-loud funny because it's so preposterous to think of someone lighting a lamp and putting a basket over it. Their homes were not well lit. They didn't have great windows in their homes because they needed the structure of the walls. And so a lamp was very valuable. And when you lit it, you had to be intentional about where you put it so you could have as much light as possible from this lamp shining all over a room. You had to put it up high so it could shine everywhere. The very last thing you do, it would be humorous to them to think of someone lighting a lamp and putting a basket over it. Ha ha, Jesus, that's ridiculous. We wouldn't do that. It might even extinguish the lamp. So Jesus says, if, if you are this light, but if the light goes out, it's not serving its purpose. It may even cease to be light at all. Again, this is a warning for his disciples. He declares their identity. It says, be that. 
He speaks that same word to us. When we become children of God, He looks at us and says, You are the salt of the earth. You, you are the light of the world. What an incredible thing for Jesus to say to us. Now, there's a caveat here. Jesus doesn't tell them anything to do. Notice this lacks any real response from the disciples at this point. He doesn't say, you're the salt of the earth, now go do X, Y, and Z so you can be salty. <laughs> you are the light of the world, now go do this so you can shine your light. No, he just declares that it is, it is their identity. Uh, too often as Christians in the church, we, we fail to grasp this idea that the mission of God is more based on who we are than it is on what we do. I'm guilty of this. We, we're going on several mission trips every year, and I think they are wonderful. But I want to ask you to think about, what's the difference between a group from our church going to Guatemala and building a house, and a secular humanitarian effort to go to Guatemala by a non-believing group to build a house? You don't have to believe in Jesus to go build a house and be nice for somebody else. The difference is, are the people going salt and light? Thankfully, I believe that we have a lot of salt and light in this church, and those of you who are signed up on the trip are going to be salt and light on that trip. But that's what Christian mission is. It's not just about going and doing. It's about who you are while you're doing it. Living into that identity that Jesus speaks over you. The, the, the Christian mission is as essential to disciples as taste is to salt and as light is to a lamp. Without it, you cease being a disciple. Without living in a way that you are showing love to other people, you cease to be a disciple. In the same way that salt would no longer be salt and light would no longer be light. <laughs> the question then has to be asked, for what purpose? What's the end game of being salt and being light. And Jesus answers this question in verse 16. Jesus says, In the same way let your light shine before others, so that... When we read Scripture, when we see the words, so that, we know, aha, we're getting a purpose statement. He's going to tell us why we just read what we just read. What the end game is. So that they may see your good works... There's not a period there. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. That ultimately when we go and do good works, when we live as salt and light in this world, we won't be noticed. And that's a good thing. Because those who come to know Jesus through our salt and our light will give glory to God the Father, who is the one should, who should be glorified. If we find that our 
constant good deeds gets people praising us, then we're missing something. Our goal as a church is not for people to say, yeah, Georgetown first, that church up on the hill, I love all the things they do. That's not a bad thing for people to to think. Our goal should be for people in Georgetown to come to know Jesus in deeper ways, even if they don't recognize where they got it from. Because Jesus has declared that we are salt and we are light. The good news about Christian mission, not just being about what you're doing, but being about what you're being, is that you don't have to go anywhere to do Christian mission. Yes, it's good to go to Oklahoma where the youth are going this summer, and it's good to go to Guatemala from time to time where we're sending this team. But if you are salt and light the way Jesus declares you are salt and light, then you are in the mission field in your home, in the way you interact with your children or your spouse or your friends or your parents. You're on the mission field when you go to the grocery store, the way you interact with the person checking you out in the line. You're on Christian mission when you're at a restaurant and the way you treat your server when you're at Cracker Barrel. When you go to work, wherever you are. Because being a Christian and being involved in the the mission of Christ is about who you are. It's an identity. And so reflecting on these, these two things, that salt does not exist for itself, and light exists to illuminate. I mean, think about that. Light exists to illuminate. It's not for itself either. When Jesus tells his disciples that you are light, he's just been telling them what the kingdom of God is, and that it's all around them, and that, you know what, people don't always see it. For the disciples to go out and be light means that they get to reveal the kingdom of God that exists all around them. And so we ask ourselves this question. If salt doesn't exist for itself, but it exists to enhance the things around it, and if light illuminates the realities around it, we have to ask ourselves, do our lives enhance people around us, the lives of people around us? And do our lives illuminate the kingdom of God to other people in ways they did not previously know? And there's no call to do here at the end of this sermon. There's no call to go do anything. The call that we read in the scripture is who to be. To be salt and to be light. To be a person who enhances the lives of people around you, and to be a person who shines light on the kingdom of God that is being revealed even in this moment. Would you pray with me? God, we are so thankful for the identity that you place on us, that you speak over us. Now, we are so thankful that our identity is not based on our past history, It's not based on our sinful nature. Our identity is not based on our mistakes. Our identity is placed in you. 
and who you have called us. And you looked at your followers and said, you are salt and you are light. May we hear that this morning, you speaking over us, calling us your children and calling us salt and light. And may you be glorified. Amen.